Everybody say, we are the light of the world. See, last week we talked about we are loved to love. We are loved by God to love people with God's love. We're overflowing with the love of God when we shine as the light of the world. And that's what we're going to get into today. And I want us just to remain standing for the reading of the word. Come on, if you got a Bible, hold it up. If you got a Bible on your phone, pull it out. Go to Matthew chapter 5 right there on your Version app or on your paper Bible, whatever it is. And I want us to look at this scripture. Jesus is declaring one of the most powerful statements. This is his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking to his disciples and Jesus, he knows he's the light of the world. Jesus knows that God breathed light in the beginning of Genesis. It was the first thing God did, let there be light. But now Jesus is saying, hold on. I know you guys think I'm the light, but in a few years, I'm gonna be gone. And I'm gonna live inside you and I want you to shine in this world. You're gonna carry the light on. And so he says these words, I love this. He says, verse 13, Matthew 5, you are the salt of the earth. How many of you guys love salt? Come on, corn doesn't taste good without some salt and butter. I like salt on my peanuts. I like salt on my corn, on my green beans, on my mashed potatoes. Salt on chicken, salt on steak, salt on fish. You gotta get some salt. It makes things taste better. Jesus says, you're here to make things taste better. You're here to bring out the flavors of God in this world. You're not here to bring out bitterness and and pessimism and negativity. You are here to, to be a good flavor on this world. He says, listen, you're not just the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. But hold on, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Can we give it up for the Word of God? I just love His Word. It's so refreshing, so strong. Let's say this together. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open, Eric. Eric. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. CJ. There we go. And my best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Do you believe that, church? Well, God, we thank you this morning that you're going to speak to us. Holy Spirit, have your way as you already have been. God, move in this time. Let us be refreshed, encouraged, changed, challenged. And God, I thank you, Lord, that today you're going to, Lord, just cause the light inside of us to glow, to shine brighter. Lord, that when we leave today, we would be that light, God, everywhere we go, that we would be excited about Monday. God, as we have an opportunity to shine on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, Lord, I thank you, God, that today would just be an ignition for us to be your light where we live, where we work, where we go to school. And God, Lord, that we would catch this message in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them they look good this morning. They're in the right place. I remember going on a missions trip a few years back to China, and I was walking down the streets with our missions team, and I was carrying my guitar. I used to just serenade people. I just carry my guitar, and 
sing for people, play for people. And I remember as we were out there on the streets of, of China, I was watching these people and they were, there was homeless people begging. There were people selling themselves right there on the side of the street. It was one of the darkest places. And that night I looked up and the skylines lit up the night. I mean, it was so amazing. Even though it was kind of polluted in the city, uh, the skylines just shined so bright across the city. And we were staying in a YMCA there right in the middle of, of Hong Kong. And, and we had just left China. And so we were kind of going back and forth. And God started stirring up that scripture inside me that, that we are the light of the world. And so I started singing this song. You guys want to hear this song? Oh, Y'all don't want to hear this song. All right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. victory. Loving the light up in this place. Calling all the prodigals. Calling all you lost ones. It's time to come home. Look for the city lights. Yeah. Calling all the prodigals. Calling all you lost ones. It's time to City Lights. But I remember that moment thinking about what does it look like to be a light, to be a city on a hill. And this morning, I want to answer four questions that we might ask when we're looking at this passage. Four questions that any Christian would probably ask, or even a non-believer, what does it look like to shine? What does it mean to, to do that? And so the first question is this, who needs the light? Everybody say who. Who needs the light? And the answer to that it should be obvious, but everyone, every single person we encounter needs 
to see Jesus through you and me. Now, a lot of times we think being the light is like passing out a track and leading someone to Christ. That's part of it. That's a percentage of it. But a greater part of it is just being Jesus in the world that you live in. Who needs to see Jesus? I remember I was at a wedding party uh, a few years ago, and, and when I was there, you know, there was this table right outside of the wedding party. We had just got done with a great wedding celebration. Bride and groom were having a blast. People were hanging out, drinking Sprite and water and Dr. Pepper and eating salted peanuts, and it was good. You know, it was good food. There was, there was other food besides salted peanuts in there, but you got to have the salt on those peanuts. So I remember waiting to get into this room. There was a table at the front. And they were reading off a list, you know, they're kind of checking people that come through. And they were looking at me, and they're like, we don't think you're on the list. I said, wait a minute, I'm like, I'm a minister, right? I'm a close friend of the family. I'm, I'm supposed to be in there. They're like, you're not wearing a tie. You know, they were starting to give me a hard time. And then, and then I noticed they weren't just giving me a hard time, they were giving other people a hard time. And I realized these people at the front of the table, they didn't know the groom and the bride that well. Because the groom and the bride would have let a lot of these people in. They were sending away like family members. And so I was standing there like defending family members. Like this person is related to the, to the groom. You kind of let them in. They're like, eh, he looks a little questionable. I don't think so. And, 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 and it was funny, you know, it was funny. That, but I got into the wedding and found out, you know, there were some extra spots in there. And, and the bride and groom would have loved to have some of those people come in. And, and the people at the front table were just misrepresenting them. And I realized that being the light is being an ambassador of Christ. Paul said we are representatives of Jesus. In other words, we're sitting at the front table of the wedding party. Can we be trusted to let people in? And so this question, who, I just want to put a sub-question underneath who. Are you repelling people from Christ or compelling people to Christ? Are you pushing people away from the party or are you inviting them in? Are you bringing them in? Can Jesus trust you at the front table? Because I'm telling you, he's throwing a party every week that sinners get saved. Every week that somebody comes to know him. And he's not looking at how many piercings they have, how many tattoos they have, how many divorces they've had, what's happened in their past, what felonies they have on their track record. He's saying, anyone come and drink from the fountain of living water and find hope, find salvation, find grace, find love. But sometimes I think we've got the wrong attitude at the front table. We're looking at people saying, uh, we're kind of happy with who we've got in here. We're all friends, us four no more, you know, we're, we're tight. And Jesus is saying, draw a bigger circle. Let more people in. You say, but Paul, if we let more people in, I mean, I don't know if we've got enough seats. I'm looking at plenty of seats we can fill with more people. You say, but, but, but what about when we fill up those seats? Then we'll put them on the floor. Yeah, but our floor is real nice. Our floor can handle it. We're going to bring so many people into this church. You say, but what about when the floor is full? We'll start another service. We'll start another campus. We'll go north, south, east, west. We'll start because we will never be the church that, that denies somebody entrance into God's house. We will always reach out and compel people to come in. And we will. Who needs the light? Our city needs the light. Our state needs the light. Our nation needs the light more than ever right now. And, and it's not about perfect people. You weren't perfect when somebody reached out to you, just like Maurice. Somebody overlooked your flaws and said, there's a seat for you inside. We got a meal prepared for you every Sunday morning, a good spiritual meal. It's going to taste better than that salted, buttered corn that you want afterwards. You can come and find grace, find Jesus, find hope, find salvation, find moral truth, and let Jesus change your life.
Because it's, it's only through him that we can be changed. But here's the prerequisite. Jesus doesn't say you have to believe before you belong. He says, why don't you belong first? And then you'll start believing. And so how do we let the who in? By letting them belong before they believe. Let people belong in your life before they have it all together. Before they're perfect. Before they're following all the rules. Even while they're messing up. Let them come in. Let them be a part of your life. Be a light to them. Be a light to them. Who needs the light? Everyone. You know, this last week I was running and, and I heard God say, Paul, what are we doing for the widows? And I said, I don't know. And he said, it's time to start doing something for them. It's time to start doing something for widows, for orphans, for single parents. For, for, and, and, I, and I realized our church is doing stuff. But God says, there's more you can do. Keep advancing the kingdom. See, it's not just the who, like we think, oh, well, it's, it's the people in Cambodia. No, God says, it's the widows in your church. It, it, it's the people that have adopted kids that just need some extra help to take care of their adopted children. It, it, it's the people that are coming into the parking lot at Victory. See, it's not just about shining when, when you're on a mission trip. It's about shining in the parking lot at church. It's about shining at Walmart. Walter needs it. Alexis at Taco Bueno needs it. Right? Right? Sammy at, at, at Old School Bagel needs it. Somebody in your life needs the light this week. Who needs the light? Every single person we encounter needs to see and experience Jesus through us. The second question is this. Why should we shine? Everybody say why. First of all, it's God's commandment. Like this isn't a suggestion. Jesus isn't saying, uh, hey, I think you guys should shine this week. You know, I think you guys could be the light of the world. You, you just think about it, get back to me. No, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are. In other words, this is a commandment. You, there is no plan B, right? Jesus wasn't thinking of something else besides the church. He says, you're the church. You're it. You are the only plan I have. When I'm gone, I need you to shine in this world. Why should we shine? Because Jesus calls us to. And you know what? It's such a privilege to shine. Like, it's not like an obligation, it's an opportunity. It, we get to shine. We get to be the lights in this world. Aren't you grateful that God, he could have chosen angels to do his work, but he chose the church to do his work. Like, this is an opportunity and a privilege and honor to get to shine. But not only that, I started looking at statistics this last week of why, why should we shine? So let me just read these to you, because the more that I read them, the more I got blessed with a burden to shine in my life. One in 10 Americans are clinically depressed, increasing 20% a year. Oklahoma ranks in the top seven states of depression, of heart disease, of strokes, obesity, sleep disorder, and lack of education. Nine out of 10 boys were exposed to pornography last week before 18 years old. The first exposure starts at 11 years old, and the average marriage is starting now at 28 years old, which means there's 17 years of a boy addicted or a girl addicted to pornography before they get married, and they say it's harder to break once you're married. Why should we shine? I don't know. Maybe our world's a little messed up. 88,000 people in America died last year from alcohol binging making it the third leading preventable cause of death in the United States. Close to one million teenagers under the age of 18 last year participated in alcohol binging, which means there was alcohol poisoning happening inside them. 17 million people over the age of 18, and, and, and more than 10% kids in our, in our nation live with an alcoholic parent. More than four kids die every day as a result of child abuse. 
I don't know if these statistics are messing with you like they messed with me. 80% of 21-year-olds that were abused as children met criteria for at least one psychological disorder. And close to 240,000 Americans are sexually assaulted every year, usually by a family member. 51% of United States women obtaining abortions are under the age of 25 years old. And last year, over a million abortions happened. Over 1 million abortions. 51% of them being women under the age of 25. More than 51% of 16 to 30-year-olds are completely disengaged from church. That's not like they come to church and they don't listen. That's, they don't even go to church at all. Because we live in a society now where we let teenagers and kids decide whether they want to go to church. So 51% of the teenage population in America has completely left the church. Like, that's bad, but what's even worse is more than 80% of teenagers say the Bible is no longer relevant, that we decide what's right and wrong. There is no absolute truth about marriage, about uh, 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 whether something should be wrong or right. It's just whatever you feel. These statistics started just breaking my heart. About a month ago, I was on, on a plane ride, and I, I, I was coming back from a missions trip, and I remember just hearing these statistics, and I started weeping on that plane, and I wrote down in my journal, God, I want to be part of the solution. Lord, I want to be part of the solution. Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours, and I started weeping for my generation, for the generation under me, the generations above me, because our world is desperately in need of some shiners, desperately in need of people being the light. Who do teenagers name as their role models these days? You might say, well, probably Justin Bieber, probably Miley Cyrus. No, no, no. More than 37% of teenagers named that they're the, most, uh, the person they admire the most, that they want to model the most, is a family member besides their parent. Parents were first, and then the second percentage was sisters, brothers, grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins. And then after the family being the highest influential person in a teenager's life, it's then coaches and teachers. That's 11%. And then 9% was friends. And then 6% was their pastor, their youth pastor, their kids pastor, whatever. Someone that was a pastor in their life. And then 3%, I'm going to switch microphones. Okay. All right, we'll go to this one. Does that sound a little better? There we go. Is that good, Chris? Thank you. Hey, we're a work in progress. Come on, somebody. Don't act like you got it all together, too. Can you just nudge the person next to you and say, give them a break? All right. Listen to this. The last least influential category in a teenager's life is a celebrity. 2%, 2% of the influence on a teenager's life is a celebrity. Don't tell me that teens aren't watching you. They need your light more than ever. Don't tell me that you don't make a difference. You can't stand a chance against Miley Cyrus and Justin Bieber. No, no, no. You are way more influential than you think. All they're looking for is a hand and a relationship to say, come sit with me. I'll take you to Golden Corral after church. We'll hang out. They just need someone to shine. They need somebody to shine. Why should we shine? Because our world desperately needs it. Here's the third question. How? How do we shine? How do we shine? Go back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It says, let your light, let your good deeds be seen before men. It doesn't say let your church attendance be seen before men. 
And, doesn't, and so that way they can say, wow, you're a really good Christian. You haven't missed a Sunday in the last year, last 10 years. No, it doesn't say, uh, let your eloquent words shine so bright before men that they can. No, it says, let your good deeds, good deeds. Everybody say, good deeds. Good deeds. God's looking for us to shine with our good deeds, to shine with our actions. See, talk is cheap when you don't line it up with your actions. In, in this day and age, we need people to shine by being the hands and feet of Jesus. I, I love the scripture in Isaiah chapter 58 where Jesus, where God is, you know, speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And he says, listen, you think fasting is, is pleasing to me? Like, like you think putting on sackcloth and ashes and, and starving yourself is making me happy? He says, here's the kind of fast I want. I want you to feed the hungry. I want you to help the poor. I want you to clothe the naked. I want you to visit the prisoners. I want you to disciple teenagers. I want you to mentor people. I want you to just be faithful. Because while you're, you're just being faithful, the harvest is going to come in. I heard somebody say, so many times we're focused on trying to see something spectacular that we're missing the supernatural. Every day by just standing faithfully at our post, loving kids. It's easy to, to show up once a year at an abortion clinic and hold up a sign and protest. What takes guts is standing faithfully at 24-7 on Wednesday nights, mentoring teenage girls that are trying to stay pure and just being a faithful mentor and just saying, hey, I'm here for you. If you ever need me, here's my phone number. Call me. That's what it means to shine. That's what it means to shine. I hope I'm not stepping on your toes, but maybe I should because Jesus stepped on people's toes. He says, here's how you shine, by just being kind. Last week I was in a drive-thru and, and, and I was behind three car, two cars and, and, and it was early in the morning. I was getting some coffee and I could tell the two cars in front of me were upset. <laughs> That's why you need like extra tinted windows. <laughs> but, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Not you guys because you're shining bright. But like they were angry, you know, you could just see the body language and, and it was taking time. Like it was 20 minutes in that line. I got up to the front window and saw this young girl and she was just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like the only one in here. I said, hey, it's okay. She said, what? I said, it's okay. No worries. What? She was like, the, the cars in front of you didn't say that. They were really mad at me and I'm sorry. And she was like starting to cry. I was like, hey, it's going to be all right. Like you didn't ruin my day. She said, I didn't. I said, no, no, it's fine. Like, no worries. That right there meant so much to her. We think shining means like you have to, you have to lay your hands on someone who's demon-possessed and they get set free. Shining, yeah, and that's great. That's a percentage of shining. But, but, but a lot of shining is just being kind, being gentle. Jesus was kind to people. Like he just, he was different. He was a breath of fresh air for all the religious people in that city. We live in a city that's really good at religious. Like, we're really good at acting like we got it all together, being, you know, super uh, uh, Christians. And, and Jesus says, one of the best ways to be a super Christian is just be sincere. Just hug the person that needs a hug. And that girl, she said, thank you for not yelling at me. Because the other customers did. I'm glad it wasn't you guys. Because I saw the church stickers on the back. No, I'm just kidding. But let me say this, Christian, someone's always watching. And I said, ma'am, I want to give you something. She said, you do? I said, yeah. I knew she had seven more hours on her, on her workload. I mean, this was the beginning of her day. So I was like, she needs some encouragement. 
So I pulled out one of these victory cards that we've been passing out. And this one of these victory cards says, we, we'd love to see it, Victory. But on the back, there's quotes. We're going to have more of these next week, so we'll hook you up with stacks of them to, to pass out. This quote says, your past does not determine your future. Your best days are still in front of you. I handed her the card, and it was like Christmas morning for her. She flipped out. She was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I needed this. I needed this. And I said, hey, we love you. God loves you. It's going to be a great day. People just need you to shine by just being kind, being sincere, being genuine, being a blessing. And so many times we're trying to like pray the darkness away, like curse the darkness, when instead God's saying, why don't you light a match and shine in the middle of the darkness? Caleb, can I get it completely dark in here? I know we keep doing this because I just love getting it dark and showing what the light's like. Just, just totally dark, totally dark. Okay, I see who's on their phones right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. Oh, you're taking notes, right? You're taking notes. I got it. So many times, though, and can we cut that light even on the center right there on that pulpit? Yeah, let's just get it totally dark in here. I want it, yeah. And sometimes we're just saying, oh, God, get rid of the darkness. Please get these, get these sinners away from me. I can't stand the way that I'm always around sinners. And Jesus is saying, hey, hey, I want you to shine in the middle of the dark. Come on, put your halo on. Get your, get your, get your glow sticks out. Come on, just start shining. Yeah, just start shining in the middle of the dark. God says, I want you to shine bright. Everybody say, shine bright. All right, you can bring the lights back up. I'm just like a living, illustrated sermon. Don't worry about it. This is what Jesus wants us to do. He's saying, don't, don't pray for the darkness to get away. Just pray that you'll shine more intensely. As the world gets darker, the church shines brighter. Turn to someone next and say, we're the light of the world. Mark, I want you to come up as I get ready to close. About a week ago, our 24-7 teenagers and apprentices and interns right over here who are faithful every week, getting teens connected to church, they went out and they passed out those victory cards. They went witnessing. There they are right there. They, they went out around city of Tulsa, right? This is my mission field. This is your mission field. And they shared the love of Jesus with people from door to door, just knocking on a door. Who, who needs help? Who needs the love? Hey, can we pray for you? People thought they were trying to sell them stuff. They were like, you know, what kind of pyramid scheme is this? They're like, no, no, no. We're not trying to sell you anything except for Jesus. We just want to give him to you. He's free. Salvation is free. Come on. We can help this city. And they were going out and doing that. And people were being impacted by their witness. I think about Anita Dressler, a hair, hair cutter right here in Tulsa. She passes out um, this new life books at her hair shop. She's ministering to people. I think about Coach JC. He's got his table in the lobby. This guy's ministering in his fitness arena. You all have a platform. You all have a platform. CJ, right out there on the car lot, ministering to people that are coming in to buy a car. You have a platform. And teachers, you are way more influential than you think in your school, at your public school. See, but... but they won't let me preach a message in my history class at, at, at my public school. People are watching the way you live. Your life is a message. And they're going to come to you after class, after school, and say, why are you so sincere? Why are you so nice? Teenagers, they're going to come to you, your friends that are partying. And here you are trying your best to stay pure, to live right, to do the right thing. Don't give up in well-doing. Don't give up on doing good works. For at the right time, your harvest will come if you do not give up. This is what we're called to do. How do we shine? By just being the hands and feet of Jesus. And Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 37 to 39 says that as the disciples 
were eating together and fellowshipping together and breaking bread and breaking bread and meeting from house to house and, and, and hanging out together. And they were doing these good works for the community. Like they were just helping people that were lost and broken. They were letting people belong before they believed. They're inviting people into their homes to just have a meal before they cleaned up all together. And as they did these good deeds, it says that they had goodwill with all men. Everybody say, good deeds leads to goodwill. What is goodwill? Goodwill is favor, meaning that people gave them favor. That, hey, we kind of like you. You're nice to us, and, and you didn't make us like clean up before you were nice to us. You were just nice to us from the get-go. And so because of the goodwill, their hearts were open to the good news. Everybody say, good deeds leads to goodwill, which leads to the good news. Now, sometimes we get this mixed up. We think, no, i got to preach at them. i got to preach, 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 preach at them. And then, and then, if they receive it, then, then, then they're going to have favor with me because they received the message. And then if they have favor with me, then I'll do some good deeds. But Jesus says, no, no, no. Let them see your good deeds first. And your good deeds, just blessing people that need help. Just stopping on the side of the road, someone who's in need. You helping them is going to open their heart with favor towards you. They're just going to like you. Because people, they, 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 they need to buy into you before they buy into what you're trying to give them. They need to fall in love with, with the spirit inside you. The love, the generosity, the kindness, the Holy Spirit that's overflowing in your life. Because we are love to love. We're just living in the overflow. You don't have to do this to get right with God. You are right with God so you can do this. You're overflowing with good deeds because that's what a Christian does. And as you're doing that, just being the good Samaritan, instead of ignoring people, you're saying, hey, when I see a hurt person, I'm responsible to bring healing to them. When I see a need, I'm responsible to help meet that need. I may not be able to help all of it, but maybe I can be a part of it. And the part that I can do, I will do because it does make a difference. And if I change one person's life, I might just change the world. And so the good deed leads to goodwill, which opens the door to the good news. If every church in the world got that one statement right there, I think we would change this entire world for Jesus because good deeds. Like what if we just threw a picnic for all the policemen in our city? The ones that are Muslims, the ones that are Christians, the ones that are atheists, all the firemen. What if we just got them out and said, hey, we just want to bless you with hot dogs on the, on the park over there. What if we got all the people from, from Tulsa County Courthouse? Like, what if we just got all public workers in the city and we just said, hey, we just want to bless you. Like, you don't have to get saved for us to bless you. We just want to take care of you. We're going to have a, a night where we just babysit your kids for you guys to go out and have a date night. Wait, why are you doing that? We kind of like you. That's, that's leading to some favor. Oh, wait, you, where, what church do you go to? Oh, I want to come to your service. And it opens the door to the good news. If every church got this, if every believer got this, I'm telling you, we would change the world. What qualifies us to be the light? You say, I, I, I'm still struggling, Paul. I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress. I'm still cleaning myself up. You know what? We're all a work in progress. Peter was a work in progress, and Jesus said, I want you to help build the church. Paul was an ex-murderer of Christians, and Jesus said, I'm going to use you to win all the Gentiles to Christ. Right? Jesus picked people that were still works in progress. You can shine even as you're growing to become more like Jesus. Because the truth is, none of us ever will arrive until we meet Jesus in the sky. Anyone still in the process, growing to be more like Jesus? Anybody that, that, that has already arrived, don't raise your hand. But everyone else that's still growing to be more like Jesus, would you just lift your hand? Look around the room. You are all empowered, qualified, anointed, appointed to be the light in this city, in your city, in your town, wherever you're watching. Jesus needs you to shine. 
people needs you to be like Jesus to stop to pray for someone like my mom was telling that testimony whether it's in church or outside of church whether it's at Walmart to just show Jesus to people he needs you where do we go from here well we don't wait until March spring break to go on a missions trip this is your mission Phil your neighborhood there goes the neighborhood come on somebody Jesus needs you to shine this week on 77th and Lewis on 66th and in Riverside on 41st in Peoria he needs you to shine at 21st in Utica he needs you to shine at, at 101st in Yale he needs you to shine in Bixby and Broken Arrow this is your mission trip when you got saved you entered into mission everybody say I'm on mission I want you this week to be on mission to shine show people Jesus and when they ask you where do you go to church that's your opportunity to say come with me we'll go eat at Mazio's Pizza right after service come sit beside me we'll, we'll hang out I want you to belong first before you believe and I'm going to end with this story right here there was a man by the name of Don Ritchie he's 84 years old battling cancer this whole last year He's lived in the same house for the last 50 years. Five zero. He has lived in the same house for 50 years in Australia. Across from this cliff called The Gap. Everybody say The Gap. We're not talking about the store, The Gap. This is a cliff in Australia that's notorious where people will jump to their deaths. People say that you live on the worst real estate in the entire world. Why do you live? He's like 30 feet from The Gap. It's the only house right there by the cliff. He said, oh, you don't understand. He said, I counted a blessing. He said, why are you so optimistic after 50 years of, of seeing people? He said, you don't know what I've gotten to be part of. And I want you to watch real quickly, just short video, and we're going to close. Short video of Don Ritchie and what he does every week, right, in his own neighborhood. Check this out. You couldn't just... You couldn't just sit here and watch them. I mean, uh, or I couldn't. Uh, so I used to go over and try and help them. And I'd, I'd say, uh, you know, hello, what do you... Uh, and I'd give them a smile because there was a, some chance of making a friend of them. I could well imagine somebody in their darkest moments just looking at him, this tall, tall, gentle man, and changing their mind. A retired life insurance salesman with no training in suicide prevention, Don admits he knows nothing about mental illness or depression, but his reasons for reaching out were simple. You can't live here and just watch them kill themselves, I, I can't. I said, what do you say to people, you know, when you go over there? And he said, oh, I go over there and sell them life. I go to try and get, actually get away from the edge of the cliff. That's the, that's the first thing. Smile, be friendly, and say, you know, can I help you in some way? He would always look, always look. And if he saw anything suspicious, he would go across. Rather than just talking them out of it or reporting them to the police, I know that he would um, invite them back to his house with my grandmother Moya and my grandmother would cook them dinner or tea, you know, and sort of look after them and talk to them. It was during his time in the Navy that he first started to watch over others. He was a lookout. He was then put onto the bridge, I think it was, as a lookout. Even now, 
the first thing he does is get up of a morning and look for ships and look for anything. And of course then, in looking for that, if there was somebody over there, he was the first one to see them if they, you know, looked suspicious. Incredibly, authorities say that Don has saved more than 160 people, but unofficial estimates put the number closer to 400. Close to 400 people have been rescued by this man. Just a sweet older gentleman just saying, I'm here. And while I'm here, I'm responsible to shine. Someone in your neighborhood is on the, the edge. They're in the gap. And they need you to look out from your window with your binoculars beyond your comfortable little world and step outside the door and hold them back from jumping. Marriages that are on the gap, families that are on the gap, singles that are on the gap, teenagers that are on the gap, kids that have grown up in abused homes that are on the gap. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm on the gap. Because honestly, I feel hopeless. I feel helpless. And I just need somebody to stop me. Just need somebody to help me. You say, well, I don't know how much a smile is really going to change someone's life. You'd be surprised. There's a story about a guy who was jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge at San Francisco. And he left a little note on the bridge. It said, if one person stops and smiles at me, I won't jump. No one ever did. We live in a world that's dark. It's got a lot of lack of joy, lack of peace, lack of hope. Your smile goes a long way. That's the way you can shine this week. You can shine this week by just leaving a tip if you go out to eat. And not just a little track but an actual dollar, a few dollars. See those waitresses and waiters, they're watching. And you can shine this week by just being a breath of fresh air, of God's love, God's hope, God's gentleness, God's kindness. I want you to stand up all over this room. I know right now, you caught the message, I believe. You caught it. 